Fog DAO is a group of builders and investors bringing you the best content on how new technologies can be used to make better games. Enjoy the show. GM friends, and welcome to the future of gaming. You're listening to our weekly Fogcast. We have Philip Collins, Devin Becker, and myself, Nico Vreke. And today we are taking a look back at the year that's gone by. Um, the beginning of the year is was certainly a lot different than the end. Um, and so, yeah, we're giving our biggest stakes, uh, biggest changes over the past year, specifically for Web3 Gaming. Um, so yeah, let's talk about it. Phil, um, if I ask you, what's your biggest takeaway take from for from 2022 for Web3 Gaming? What's your answer? I think 2020 year is kind of the the year of the slowdown for Web3 Gaming in a lot of ways, and I don't necessarily think that is that is a bad thing. I mean, if we if we think back to exactly 12 months ago. Um, Everything was moving so fast, right? Coming out of 2021, the investment market was hot. Everyone was building games as quickly as they could, trying to get them published because it was it was a race for who could get the best game out quickly at the time. And everyone was trying to get their fundraising checks in, and and everyone could could do that. And I think one of the one of the biggest signals, um, one of the big, biggest signals for me on the investment side at least, has been what December has looked like. To to be honest, and. I think that venture has really slowed down in December because nobody wants to come out and raise a new round two weeks before the holidays when everyone, you know, maybe maybe slows down the last week or two of the year before coming back in January. And I think if I if I look back to December of 2021, you could get a round done in two weeks pretty pretty securely in a lot of ways. And so December was a really hot month. People were closing really fast. And this year it's just kind of calmed and it feels like if you weren't already raising in mid late November, you're just going to take the pause until till early 2023 and, and try it again. Um, and I think that's just indicative of everything we're seeing in Web3 where people are now kind of going back to taking their time a little bit, taking a look at their projects and the fundamentals and just getting everything in order before just trying to go, go, go. And I think that like at the, the highest level, that's that's what I've seen over the course of this year, and it seemed like a progressive, bit of a progressive shift after March or so. Um, and the last three months has has just slowed down pretty substantially. And again, I think that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. We we've talked about builders markets before. I think you know Axie is a great example of something that was built in a in a downturn and came out really strong. You know, regardless of where it stands at this exact moment, but. Um, I don't know. I think I think we'll see a lot of the same where where people take a hard look at their at their projects and, and come out better for it in you know early mid late next year. Mm-hmm. How about you, Devin? I think it was a, a great setup, um, kind of along the lines of what Phil was saying. Like, because you had a couple of things. One, you had a ton of money dumped into this space, which, like, yeah, maybe you don't get returns on all of it, but that's kind of necessary to get the ball rolling on a lot of that those projects. Get a lot of that. Like before, we had stuff kind of dumping into ICOs and, and infrastructure early stuff, and um, NFTs weren't really like hot yet. Now that all that money is dumped into NFTs and NFT gaming, like then we got a lot of stuff like started to get the ball rolling right like a lot of projects in the works like some triple a games you know being built um but also like a lot of learning um we we you know like a lot of things didn't work and a lot of you know scams happened and hacks and all kinds of stuff 
but there's, I think, assuming people aren't completely brain dead, I think we learned a lot of stuff that going forward will benefit all of it. And so like, you know, maybe a lot of these projects will still burn through their money and won't survive. But I think, you know, you'll have a lot more veterans of this stuff for building in the next round. You'll have a lot more learning. You'll have a lot more people like myself that were able to kind of go through and help build up a lot of things and be part of a lot of projects, learn a lot, help share a lot of information. Um, and I think all that money flowing in while is typical with a lot of this stuff, you know, maybe doesn't turn into anything. It was a lot of seeds planted that I think will, whether they bear fruit next month or next year, it's hard to say, but I think over the coming years, I think we'll see the benefit like that would, if we'd looked back and be like, oh, well, we needed this year. Like without this, we wouldn't have this. And I think, uh, it is a bummer, of course, for the people that, you know, were hit by like a lot of the bad things, you know, like FTX and Luna. And, you know, we had quite a few big, big hits on people. And of course, that's going to make people really, I guess, scared of crypto in general for a little while, which is, it's not great, but it's not the worst thing, right? It's a situation where people like Phil said are going to be a lot more cautious, which is probably for the best. Like it's, it people probably shouldn't be aping into everything they see. And I think, unfortunately, there will still be people that just like to ape, you know? Uh, but I, I think it's, it's one of those ones where it's like long-term, it was a, it was a great year. Short-term, a little painful for some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, I think everyone has come to the realization that although blockchain powered games have potential, I think the key infrastructure that everything is built upon still has a ways to go for everything that's built upon it to reach its full potential. Um, and I think, you know, the, the collapses of, of, of Luna and now FTX are just a sign of that, of that, like a, a, a major industry um, having growing pains and everything that's built on top of that industry, you know, suffering as a consequence of that. Um, yeah, I think um, it feels like we're in a, in a healthy place from within the industry, but I do feel less smart um, when talking to people that are not in, within the industry, right? Um, you know, last year was like, oh shit, you're 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 in crypto gaming. Holy shit, that's that's amazing. That's cool. And now it's like, oh, yeah, it's like a, like a 2009 saying you were in real estate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you're into Bitcoin. Uh, how mm-hmm. you doing, man? How you doing? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's funny, and people ask that all the time because again, I I spend a lot of time in and outside of the Web three world, and so when people that know we've done a little bit of Web three ask, they're like, ooh, how's it going? It's like. Honestly, it's going fine. Like we're we're still really excited about a lot of the Web three projects that that we're that we're in. Um, they have they have the runway to to keep building. Um, I think we're so used to short feedback loops, and those loops are going to lengthen. And that was more driven by token prices than anything else. I think we've talked about this in the past, but I mean, twenty twenty two kind of went back to fundamental value in a lot of ways where. We're looking at things that are in beta and no longer saying, hey, this is like a $2 billion fully diluted market cap. Again, like how many, how many gaming IPs are billion dollar IPs on their own? Like that is a, that is a very, very exclusive club. When you think of multi-billion dollar IPs, those are the crown jewels of the biggest publishers in the world. As soon as Call of Duty goes web three, man, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's, there's, there's this like there's almost a suspension of disbelief that I think a lot of us had in, in 2021 where you're just able, willing to put it on the side because everything was going up and to the right. And so we are willing to just kind of think about Web3 gaming in a very, very, very different way than we would have on, on Web2 gaming. And as a whole, like an aggregated view of the industry, I think 
a lot of people were just so excited about the prospects of Web3 gaming taking off and the the insanely exponential growth that you can that you can achieve through what was happening with tokens that we just kind of put aside um, reality for for a little while and 2022 brought us back but if we look at the people that are still building this industry all of the talent that people were excited about in late 2021 most of that gaming talent is still in the web3 industry as we look to 2023 there wasn't just like a big huge drop off where everyone just kind of gave up after Terra or FTX. And so like, I think the, the value is still there. It just, it's going to take time to unlock. And I think we're, we're finally accepting that that's just how it, how it's going to have to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There might be a lot more talent even floating around from all the layoffs and stuff like that and people yeah. looking to pivot. And like the, the, the interesting thing that I take away from it as well is like, despite all the downturn in a lot of places, you look at Asia, like Japan and, and South Korea and stuff, and like they're still so bullish on this stuff that I'm like, they're usually ahead on when it comes to like monetization of games and like different ways of dealing with the economy and just games in general in a lot of ways. So, I mean, we're kind of slow over here in the West to take mm-hmm. that stuff up. And so I'm really like interested to see what, you know, they take away from this year uh, going forward to push their uh, stuff going out there. I mean, especially even like South Korea where like they can't even actually release their own games. So it's like, are they just going to be mm-hmm. developing games for us? Like at that point, or are they going to make changes? It's hard to say, but I think they obviously took away from a lot of the learnings without necessarily as much pain, I think, and as much uh, seeming regret. So I think there's, there's different areas of the world that are going to go forward with different things from 2022. 100%. I am um, yesterday one of my colleagues shared a graph that showed blockchain adoption and usage in different parts of the world. And so number one by far is India where it's like, it's, it's like 200, like, like a crazy number. I was going to say 200 million. That might be a bit too much. It's like 20% of the population. It was, but pretty, it was, it was pretty far in the bar. Like. Yeah. And so, and we're getting into predictions territory, which we were not going to do today, but we're going to do next week. Um, but um, I think, you know, that that's, that's, I guess your point is that even today, you know, we see quite right. a high adoption in these in these non. Right, the other countries, countries that are all like bailing out and like, oh, we're we're not going to do Web three anymore. Like they're still like, yeah, we're definitely doing it. Yeah, that's what I mean. It seems like <clears throat> it's um, it's as a result of why people are into these things, and in the West, it's it's maybe most of mostly uh, out of speculative reasons. And, you know, whenever there's no more or it seems that there's no more money to be able to be made, um, people get less excited while in in other countries, um, they, you know, they're maybe not as spoiled as us when it comes to games. And and for them, this is this is real opportunity and and really different than than other games. I mean, you look at Animoca, right? Like they're still just dumping money into the space like they still are very bullish on everything. I mean, some of the projects just flat out haven't worked out. Like, I don't think Rev Racing is revolutionizing uh, racing at this point or anything, but they still are, like, going at it, you know? And uh, and they're another Asian uh, company. And I think that's just where we continue to look to see the people that are still willing to be a big part of this. And it's just like, oh, well, it's going to suck in the West for a bit, right? Like, it's going to be probably a little bit slower but like i said like you said we're not going to get into prediction territory but i just mean like that's kind of the takeaways i think that these different regions are getting from the year is very different especially people that were hit hardest by some of these uh big hacks and and, and it sounds from some of the investigation that luna and ftx may even be related to the same guy you know like these these things um 
they just proved some of the instabilities. And I think these, these things shake out a lot of the problems. And I, I, I mean, I, I guess I'm speaking from a position of no losses on any of this stuff, but I feel like a lot of this stuff was necessary evil. Uh, to the extent where, like, if we didn't dump all these money, money into these speculative bubbles, we wouldn't also get, uh, advanced so fast. Like, in a lot of these things, like, you know, they say you learn the most from failure and things like that. Well, good. Then we dumped a bunch of money and failed in a bunch of places, learned a whole bunch of stuff. And I think, uh, similar to what we had in 2018, 2019, it just becomes like a builder's haven again, where the people that actually learn stuff can continue to build forward. And I think, like, there's there's tons of talent that came out of this year uh, that I think will be able to go forward. Like, all those people that you're always talking about, Nico, building all this crazy futuristic on-chain stuff and developing all this technology, like you said, the infrastructure, um, like finding the weaknesses with the infrastructure, even stuff like where Sunflower land or farms or whatever hit Polygon and stuff like that, these, these blockchain strains... Uh, we'll, we'll get to work out now. We've got to go through a lot of those. We built up a ton of layer two infrastructure now, the stuff with the, um, the, uh, zero knowledge stuff really being built up. And so we've really just paved a ton of highways, uh, for this stuff to really get going. And it's like, yeah, maybe there's no cars on the road yet to an extent because, you know, we just finished paving this stuff. Like it's to be expected. And I, and I think maybe I'm being optimistic, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if you look short term, yeah, it looks sucky. But if you look long term, I think it looks actually pretty normal for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. No, I think that that's a good point on, you know, putting cars on the road that was just paved. That's a that's a good analogy going into 2023 because no matter how much hype there's been and no matter how much content you've heard about, there really are still very few notable titles that have come out in the Web3 world. And that shouldn't be all that surprising, right? I feel like this hype cycle really began early 2021. So spring of of 2023 will kind of be hitting the two-year mark where a lot of these teams have been building. And and I think that we'll finally start to see a lot of these games roll out over the course of next year. And I think all we all we really need to see to start is one really strong title, and hopefully that is a good adoption case where people are willing to to set aside their skepticism around Web three and just play the game. And hopefully that that game is easy enough to play that it's not too difficult for those people to get there, and it kind of demystifies the whole thing because right now there's there's not really content that people are willing to attempt to demystify it for themselves, um, and. And it's just it's just still early in that regard. And I definitely try not to disillusion myself into thinking like everything's just going to work out in the end. But I think what gives me confidence is there's enough talented people building stuff that, you know, one of them should should at least connect with with people, hopefully over the next 12 months as we look into into the new year. But um, yeah, I mean, time time will tell what actually happens there. I think we, we've also seen in 2022, a lot of people trying to, to just go ahead and build infrastructure that creates those initial highways. In a lot of ways, I think that we're, we're looking at like the dirt roads of, of Web3. Um, and that's not a knock on where we're at. I think that there's a lot of really, really impressive technology that, that I now sometimes take for granted when I see a pitch deck today. If I would have seen that 12 months ago, I would have thought it was the most amazing thing for for Web3 gaming and Web3 adoption, but everyone's kind of caught up to the standard so far. And I think the thing that's going to to continue to push that forward and make these highways um, more modern and continue to advance is content informing 
a lot of the needs that developers have. And it's, you know, it's hard to build infrastructure without knowing all of the problems that you're solving. And, and those problems the, will become more apparent as, as games catch on. One of the points that you made too, like I just wanted to piggyback on for a second, is we also saw some great examples. If you, if you just don't mention NFT, you can get huge adoption. Like the Reddit thing was a perfect example. And then Starbucks now has gotten huge traction on their, their just launch. Uh, because they're not overly talking about Web3. And it's like, maybe if we just shut up about Web3 and put stuff out, then we can just do, you know, go gangbusters. Like, this was the year where we all talked about it to get all the money flowing into it, to get all the projects running, to get all the technology built. And then, like, and then everyone's like, okay, cool, then we'll build these super smooth wallets. We'll do all these things. We'll, we'll ease the onboarding. And it's like, cool, well, then we can just stop talking about NFTs and just build games. Mm hmm. So you mentioned Animoca brand still pouring money into the the this the um the space if Animoca ever makes a pivot to web two that's when I'm calling the bottom yeah so yeah. that's that's what I'm calling it um and then you know separately I think another thing that I learned by the way first the whole metaphor of like roads and 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 paving the roads and highways and stuff I think there's a good meme in that um I might be working <laughs> on that you might see that come out later today uh, I have an idea um Separately, um, you know what kind of founders I'm really liking today? Boomers. Good old boomers that are mm -hmm. super conservative, that are like, yo, I raised money. And you know what I did in that money? I put it in a bank, in my bank account. And I have two and a half years of runway and I'm super conservative in hiring. Um, I, you know, I've seen, and you, we tend to invest, like if you look at the median age of founders in, in that we invest in at Bitcraft, it's like 40 or something. I think the average is similar. Um, one of the takeaways that I have is that we've had like 10, 12 years of good times of everything going up and to the right. Obviously within crypto, there were some, some, some ups and downs. Um, but I think people that have seen tough times and that know that that know that you know the best times come right before you know the fall and uh, things going south um i think you know the these companies are, seem to be now in a way better situation and state than than some of the uh, companies founded by younger um Degens that are extremely bullish on Web three know to sell how to sell their vision, uh, but when when you know all out and hiring talent and like crazy uh, salaries for all of the talent that that they need to build um, their their vision. So um, yeah, I think that's that's another like thing I've learned and realized over the past months. Like first, the projects that have more experienced founders are in a better state right now, and second, if you just look at all of the big collapses over the past year like all of these people they're like younger than 35 every single one and so um yeah i think um during tough times experience is key and i think that's something i realized over the past months mm -hmm. agree i would just second that Nothing yeah it feels very dot-com era kind of thing again in a, in a lot of ways too um which you know good and bad right like without the dot-com era we wouldn't have the the super internet we have now but also like it didn't it didn't turn out well for some people right and it's and we again we saw this kind of thing in 2018 as well right where we went through a bit of a slump uh afterwards when when a lot of stuff and that was like the beginning of nfts too right it was like crypto kitties kind of pioneered the nft stuff to an extent but then we were kind of dormant for a while while people built on top of that and it's 
every single one of these learnings from this year takes time to build on top of, right? You don't just instantly go like, oh, I see what they did there, like why that didn't work, and then instantly have like the better version, you know, a month later. It's all these things are like, okay, cool. Well, now we'll build the right thing, but it's going to take extra time. Like I see a lot of projects, you know, that we're all gung-ho to get their, you know, oh, let's get a white paper out. Let's get a launch. Let's get our things going, our TGE or Genesis stuff. Uh, starting to slow down and realize like, oh, okay, like maybe we see all these other, you know, failures on the side of the road and like we were going to head those, that same direction, but you know what, let's actually slow down and start to kind of go the correct way. And I think that's great. Like you don't hear about a lot. And that's, that's one of the things too about this year is like, I've also learned that a lot of, despite all the talk and all the hype and all the stuff going on, there's a lot of stuff going on quietly. There's a lot of people building stuff, especially with their web two companies and don't want to shout from the rooftops that they're doing web three. Like there's a lot of cool stuff being built that just not being talked about yet because it's not part of some big splashy fundraise. It's not part of some giant technology that gets absorbed by a bigger company. It's just these people just building cool stuff or like they're like, hey, we're actually watching the space and slowly accumulating knowledge and building up what we want to do with it or putting deals in place. And a lot of those things you just don't see till later. And then you think like they happen later, like, cause you didn't see that process. So I think probably half this year is stuff we won't even hear, like hear about during this year. You'll just find out about later. And it's, and it's cool. Like that stuff's going on. It's like, I think us three personally get to hear about a lot of that stuff because of just the position we're in, we get to talk to a lot of people building. And so I think I, I, I would imagine when you two would agree as well, that you hear a lot of this stuff, you just, you don't hear anywhere else because you hear it in the, the closed doors and it just hasn't made public yet. Yeah, it will be nice to, or it has been nice to, to, to no longer really see founders trying to just tack on Web3 as a, as a ploy to, to raise capital. I think that's kind of gone out the, the window for most people over the last six months or so, where you no longer just kind of tack it on as an afterthought so that you can say it in your raise process. I think we're maybe starting to see a little bit of that with like the AI boom right now where people are like, we're going to leverage stable diffusion and here's how. And it's like 0.05% of their business, but you have to say it in the pitch because it gets people's attention. Uh, we definitely saw that in 2021 with with blockchain. Maybe that's the the new meta trend for for people raising raising rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it has been good to to see Web3 be more of a meaningful, intentional thing that people are incorporating into their business plans um, and no longer just tacking it on as a, a sales buzzword. I just kind of wonder if it'll be like free-to-play where free-to-play became just a huge part of gaming, but it never stopped being a thing people said. Like it, it never really like went away into the background. It just became like this very separate industry of, but it pretty much became the mobile industry. Like it didn't really expand to it. I mean, there's a little bit of free to play on console and a, a fair bit, I guess, on PC, but it's still really a mobile dominated thing. So it's like when you talk about mobile games, you're almost, it's almost synonymous now with free to play. So it's, it's kind of interesting that that, because it's a very similar thing in a way that it's, you know, the monetization is a big part of the way that that technology is being utilized. And, you know, same kind of thing. And that was, that was based around micropayments and mobile and a couple other technologies kind of converging at the same time. And now we have the same sort of thing with blockchain and financial stuff and NFTs and like a couple other things converging. But I, I don't know. I don't, maybe, maybe we'll still will be talking about it in a different form. Uh, but maybe it will also take over a specific sector of the industry. Like we don't really know where its home is yet, but free to play obviously like found a home uh, on mobile. And that was, you know, for a variety of reasons, but it's not really expanded too much out of there in like 10 years, which is uh, surprising. And maybe that's due to somewhat due to pushback. And, you know, we have that similar pushback, you know, from, from gamers, uh, same kind of thing, right? I don't think we're going to see web three on consoles anytime in the next few years, right? Like it's just, 
they're going to push back too hard. I mean, I think Ubisoft was was kind enough to give us a good public demonstration of of what kind of pushback you can get if you do it kind of sloppily. Uh, so <laughs> I think it'll be it'll be some time before big companies are even really doing much with it. And so like it's just you know from what we learned this year uh, will be like seeping its way into somewhere and kind of take over a territory. It is pretty interesting though how how free to play has pervaded other other channels though through i mean like Fortnite being a free-to-play battle royale and call of duty trying to have a free-to-play element through Warzone, and right it's almost like a it goes back to something that i used to talk about well over a year ago when when we were thinking about play to earn and what it meant for for the blockchain gaming market and shifting consumer expectations where like when i started thinking about blockchain gaming, it made it so much harder to really validate buying an asset in a game like a Valorant or a League of Legends when I feel like a renter. Um, Just like the ownership mindset, if that's able to seep its way into the average gamer, that that seems like an adoption case where changing consumer expectations almost forces people to give these different models a try. And I don't know, I would have I would have been hard pressed five years ago to think of Call of Duty as a free to play title in, in any regard. Um, they were just, you know, racking up, racking up sales as a premium game and and eventually made it its way there. It just took a took a long time to to get to the mainstream. And so maybe blockchain will be the same thing. And in a decade, 2033, we're 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 seeing all of the major players incorporated in some regard of their game, even if it's not core, just because Again, cons- uh, changing consumer behavior. I and think that's yeah, what it I would take. That's a big takeaway, is right. It was a, right now we like see everything as like Web three or not Web three, and like and we've talked a lot about Web two point five this year, and I think we all know that that's really where it's most likely headed in the near future. Is like we we don't expect that everyone's going to be like, oh, this is everything's Web three or not, like everything's on chain or not. Like as much as Nico would like that, I, I don't think that's going to be take over everything. Right, where it's a lot of people right now are already like working on how do I sort of merge these two things? How do I dabble? in this technology without going completely overboard. And I think that's a big learning from this year as well is like letting everyone go very overboard with it and then seeing what does the scaled back look like. And I think that's a good thing, right? Like if people explore the fringes, then you kind of know the territory a little bit better. It's a little easier to navigate the the middle area when you know where the edges are. And I think everyone kind of navigating that and going extreme with on-chain games or full on web three or full on play to earn all those kind of things over this year and last year was like really valuable to explore that space, to see where those edges are, to see where it makes sense to, to incorporate things or not. And I think for example, like, you know, a big learning for a lot of games will probably be, you know, maybe NFTs are a little bit better than tokens in a lot of ways, you know, like, cause maybe tokens aren't always the way forward and, and token investing and stuff like that. So I think, there was a lot of that explored this year in different ways. Uh, and mostly, I mean, most of it didn't work out, but I think that was each of those iterations that didn't work out was like super valuable to see um, why and actually break it down. Cause like if, if, until people do stuff like in the actual market, sometimes it's just too much theory crafting where you're like, you, maybe this will work. Maybe this won't. Right. Like I'm sure Axie worked in theory. Right. But until people actually saw how it all worked out, it's like, okay, now it's obvious why that doesn't work. Uh, and now we can build on top of that. We can go, okay, well, obviously that quote unquote play to earn. And then we scale back to play to own and all these other, you know, scale backs. Uh, we'll have like some, some, you know, few inches we go from here into that web 2.5 or we maybe it'll be web 2.3 at this, at this rate, but we'll get there like, uh, you know, by inches rather than jumping straight into web three next year. To, um, to, to, 
talk a bit about more about that. Um, one of my things that I've noticed is that it seems like people have realized over the past year that the Web 2.5 product market fit is a, is quite a bit away, just because the advantage of putting stuff on chain compared to the annoyances that doing stuff on the blockchain actually brings, um, it's not big enough yet. And so I think the realization is that the product market fit is quite a bit away and will require some better uh, user experience uh, solutions um, and scaling solutions and like, you know, don't have to sign every transaction, that kind of stuff. And so um, some a shift that I've seen, and this is mainly like late into this year, is that I do see more and more people and teams now starting to get interested by the non-Web 2.5 type games, like the more the more niche stuff, the more on-chain games. And I might be super biased here because everyone knows that I'm I'm into that stuff, but um, I, I think more and more people seem to be getting into that stuff. And um, yeah, that's that's my perspective, or that's what I've observed. Might be a little biased there. Hello, have, have you seen the same, Phil? I think I think a little bit. Um, it, it's been interesting because I think a lot of people are are maybe preparing for the future by going a little bit more all in on Web three, where sometimes it feels like Web two point five can be a little bit of a master of none, where it's a little bit too inconvenient for the Web two crowd and the Web three crowd doesn't get all that excited about it. So you're kind of going right in between them and and not getting anyone. And so on the Web three on the the pure web three side, you're at least catching a really passionate, likely high spending group of people. And so there, there's an audience there. And I think there's, there's solutions to make web 2.5 better for both sides, but at the moment it kind of misses its mark. Um, we'll, we'll see how that plays out when there's more titles in that category. But yeah, I think, I think there's definitely a, a willingness to like, or a desire to go one way or the other right now. In hopes that if you really want to avoid Web three, that Web three is not the future, and if you really want to go Web three, that it is the future. And there's a uh, the middle the middle ground seems to be uh, sh- shifting towards those those two extremes a little bit. And I think we learned this year too that like the for NFTs especially like the core proposition is really ownership or the idea of ownership and, and whatever and exploring what that means. And like all the other things kind of fell away. These ideas of stupid speculation of like trying to do these weird things with staking them and all like all these other financial motives and other weird stuff, like, you know, all turn out to not work out that great some of it, you could have pretty easily seen coming, but some of it, you know, maybe caught people by surprise. But I think the one thing that kind of stuck around uh, that people like still are excited about the idea of, especially like the Asian audiences and even Animoca, like their main thing they talk about, the kind of their motto around this stuff uh, or their vision is around that idea of ownership. And now it's like where from here we really explore what that means, right? Like we've really kind of settled on this idea of, okay, you, you, when you have something on the blockchain that means something because it's verifiable ownership outside of it. Now we just really need to iterate on like, what that really means, right? When we start to talk about stuff like IP ownership and how that works, like Yuga Labs did a good job exploring stuff like that, where, you know, people were licensing board apes for, for content. And, uh, we were doing different things around, or the, the whole controversy over Moonbirds and the CC zero. And I think we've started to explore into that space. And then there's the idea of interoperability. And that's been talked about a lot this year. And I think we've hashed over a lot of potential ideas and there has been some like attempts at, at minor um, interoperability ideas. And I think PFPs are for, for example, like an actual use case that does somewhat work, right? The idea of a PFP is already base level interoperability. And so I think like we're getting there. And I think this year was a good way to really kind of strip away 
uh, a lot of the other stuff that just didn't work get through it real fast and go back to like, oh, they, that's right. The core idea of this, the core idea of blockchains in general was this idea of verifiable ownership, uh, which was meant to prevent double spend and, you know, have money. But like, again, it was always kind of that core idea. And I think we tested a lot of other things, but we were, we always keep coming back to, okay, but then we just need to get over the IP hurdle and some of the other things. And it was nice to see that like, at least we got a chance to experiment in that direction this year. Even if we didn't quite get there yet, we, I think we made at least obvious where all the problems lie with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you have stuff like the Alpha and Delta time issue, right, with the, the NFTs or even what just happened with uh, FTX and um, a lot of the NFTs going offline uh, because of the, they were hosted uh, on there in, in some way or another, right, in the Coachella ones and all that stuff. So it was a good learning opportunity for a lot of, like the kind of defining the shape of NFT ownership and what it means so we can actually move forward from there and, and hopefully focus more on those things and less on speculative stuff, less on like, you know, just trying to flip things hopefully in the future. And I, I, I actually am kind of glad the the easy money is gone so we can just stop that already. Like just pump the brakes on that stuff and actually focus on like, what is the real utility here? Like that doesn't have anything to do with throwing money around like crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Good. I mean, in 2023 too, I'm excited for us to maybe level set on why certain Web3 games fail. I feel like a lot of times it's almost like an excuse of Web3 hasn't caught on, so Web3 games failed because they're Web3. I think in 2023, we'll probably start to be able to say that some Web3 games failed because they just weren't good games that caught on with people. And that's fine, right? There's there's plenty of traditional games that fail. A vast majority of traditional games fail. There's a massive long tail of indie games that have small, small niches and and that's their fate and they'll they'll never go beyond that. And that's just that's just hit driven business um one oh one right there. And I think that's why a lot of Web3 games will fail in, in 2023. I mean, I'm sure a vast majority will will go down. A lot of them won't be games that that catch people's attention, but I think it'll be important to take a look at at why they failed. And for most of them, it's not, hey, you were a Web3 game. It's like, hey, you you were you fall into that that category of the long tail and and hopefully a few emerge as as successes that that make it worthwhile. But I think it'll be important to to be honest about why certain things fail in 2023 um, and to go beyond the what's been kind of an easier excuse of like, oh, the Web3 market, we're just too early on the Web3 market. It's like the people that succeed in this market are creating their own their own audience and create literally creating a market segment through their games by making it a title that you can't miss. Um, and, and hopefully we'll, we will see that this year. Mm-hmm. This year was also a good exploration of distribution platforms and testing the limits of those. So like, for example, you know, mobile, we have the whole thing with Apple finally like establishing some policy, right? Like it wasn't the best one, but it, like we got it, we got them to actually put some things down in writing um, and that, that they obviously need to revise. But then we also got Epic Store actually having Web3 games on there. There's actually Web3 games you can play right now on the Epic Game Store. And I think that's a big uh, gain. And there's even like people starting to push the limits of what you can do on Steam, starting to you know get on there. And then there's there's still tons of crypto games on um, on Google Play Store as well. I'm sure that there's probably some on iOS that just don't talk about it as much, but... Um, we are starting to like see where we can start to put these things. I think consoles one that's just probably not going to be touched, but I think desktop PC is definitely touched. Web is definitely a big one. 
and mobile's getting there. And so I think at that point, it pretty much just leaves console behind, which I don't expect that to change necessarily anytime soon. And, and maybe even consoles moving towards cloud stuff and other weird kind of territories and away from like traditional console models anyways. So maybe that starts to, to, to bleed the edges a little bit. But I think it was good to see this year we actually started to get into distribution platforms, actually start to establish policies to determine where a market is for these things instead of just being on websites. So we had the, that before, but everything was just in 2021. It was just websites. Everyone's just like building these crappy website things that at best you could download a client, uh, like an exe file. And that was obviously not a safe thing to be doing all the time, but uh, hopefully we're, we're starting to move past that. And this year, like actually getting to see that in action and getting people to establish policies that they can at least revise from or iterate on is that's a great step forward. Mm-hmm. One final um, reflection on this year is that it seems like Web3 in general, and I would say Web3 gaming more specifically, has finally come on the, like in a major way, on the radar of regulators. And so it doesn't mean that there's any real decisions being made and there's not a lot of clarity right now, it feels like to me, but like it's on the radar. And so, you know, that's like a first step, right? It needs to be on the radar before decisions get made and there's a lot of research being done right now. Um, so I guess that is for a lot of... I'm sure that for some people that's a bad thing, but uh, I think three of us agree that it's actually a good thing. Um, probably could use some regulation in some way um, if done well, which, I mean, there's always... A, like I can tell you now that the initial crypto regulation around these things are going to be, is going to be terrible for the industry, um, but you know, at some point, I, I, I think we'll get there. Yeah, I'll be interesting to see how it shakes out in America, especially because the FTC has been overly aggressive, or the SEC, sorry. Um, and you have an interesting figurehead at the, the center of that. You have someone like Gensler, right, that came from being pro-crypto to suddenly being overly regulating on crypto. But then he's got these ties to SBF that may slowly start coming out. And it's like, so you wonder, like, he's been super aggressive on stuff and then giving, of course, you know, little side passes to uh, to his connections. And I, I almost wonder if we could get a, uh, a future upheaval of the SEC regulation stuff too, because like you may, they may be over aggressive on that, but if like that stuff gets outed and like he's, he gets overthrown, maybe we get someone more crypto in eventually. I, like you said, maybe like short term Nico, like looks really painful and bad. And it's like, Oh God, how are we going to work around this? Like Apple's policies. But then it's like, okay, well that ends up easing up because it's like obviously too far. And uh, I, it, it is probably good that we really just be like, oh, okay, this is a security. This is not a security once and for all, because that has been looming over like a lot of business models in general. And it's like the, the free reign there has allowed a lot of the models of this year to be able to exist. Obviously, if that gets fully cracked down on and they say like, look, if like you're returning profit in any way through these things, it's a security in some way. Like if I, I don't know if NFTs really go to the point of getting regulated, but I think a lot of crypto tokens are likely to get regulated and then stable coins as well. Like, and so yeah, short-term pain, long-term clarity. Um, but obviously a lot of the business models of this year will be unlikely to continue just because of, they've been based off of stuff that was just more gray areas. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, as, as things like crypto or web three and these different verticals like gaming becomes more successful, more likely it is that regulation really starts to crack down. It's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that the better it does, the more likely it is to get, to get regulated and get regulated faster. At the end of the day, it, it makes sense, right? I mean, we can't, 
we can't view crypto as this like magical way to get around regulation. Um, I think that's that's how it's been viewed from from the early days. Is it is this decentralized thing that is that is free from these centralized bodies that are that are governments and regulators. And if it's going to be taken seriously over time, like it, it can't be this shadow this sh- uh, sh- system of shadow currencies. I think that's where people get concerned about crypto. That's one of those things that scares people away from it. Is there has been that like ethos of of isolation from from rule and from from regulation, and so I think people will will see it as a more credible financial instrument as that does happen. And so yeah, even though it, it'll probably be painful in the short term, it, it, it feels necessary for it to actually gain legitimacy in a lot of people's eyes. Um, yeah. Until then, it just feels like it's like working off the books. Um, and I don't know. It, honestly, that like doesn't that doesn't feel that great as 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 good as it might sound in the immediate term. Well, the the upside is like regulation is most likely just going to shut down the speculative side of things, the over financialized side of games, right? Like the game mm-hmm. part continues, yeah. and I think that's actually like while I'm not a big fan of regulation, I, I do think that in this case, it doesn't it doesn't hurt games so much as it hurts bad ideas around the games. And mm-hmm. I think hopefully it just shuts that stuff down so that those, you know, the grifter kind of people have to go elsewhere and they can leave games alone. Uh, maybe they could still go do DeFi stuff or whatever financial crazy, you know, stuff they want to do. But hopefully it keeps the the financial insanity out of games and people can focus on like, you know, the fun again and all that sort of like the mottos that we keep chanting all year. Good. All right. Um I have a last question for you, which is unrelated to this topic, but I just wanted to let anyone that's listening know that, you know, if you're feeling down right now, we, th- we still think you're smart. All right. You're in a good industry. You're a good dude or dudette. And, um, we're going to still going to make it, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, wag me on Twitter right now, but, um, you know, you'll be fine. Um, just, just hang on and be conservative. I think this might be some tough times ahead, which I guess we'll discuss next week. But um, yeah, if if um, you know if 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 you're struggling, please come come chat with us. Um, yeah. We're here to help we'll be in any way we can. Um, so, final question: What are you guys playing over the holidays? Is it is it allowed to be a non Web three game? Of course, <laughs> uh, I would go with I would go with Valorant. That's my okay. that's my that's my go to when I get some time. Are you good? I'm pretty pretty average. <laughs> I'm, I don't I don't have enough time to to be good, and I I just embrace that. So I, yeah, I blame I blame my lack of time on not being good. That's yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's my that's my that's the boomer mechanics. Yeah, yeah, that's the boomer mechanic for sure. How about you, Devin? I'm still working on trying to get sick of Marvel Snap. I need to get over mm. it already. I can't can't help it. I don't know. It's just little bite-sized gameplay but uh yeah i i also have like this love hate relationship right now with warzone's dmz i Mm. i never really got to play an extraction game i really liked and there's just something about it that's like uh it feels like these little micro adventures with random people that's that are somehow exciting each time but the game crashes so often and has so many bugs that i'm like I, i feel like a masochist so hopefully i'm not playing that too much over the holidays but i still can't seem to help myself uh uh, it would just be nice if they took some of the money that goes into it and maybe they could hire some better QA people. <laughs> I, um, so I've, I've built a new PC. I don't know if you, if you guys know. So, um, I, I needed a new one. And so I built a new one and now I'm, I'm back on call of duty as well. Nice. We mentioned call of duty a bit. Um, um, I've played the first year of the lockdown. I've played a thousand hours of Warzone. 
in one year. And then I decided it was a little bit too much and I had to stop. I had, I needed to get help. I needed to start being productive again. And so I stopped playing Warzone. Uh, but now I'm, I'm playing Warzone too, a bit. I just started for a week now, but um, I'll probably play a lot more over the over the next few weeks. So if you're listening to this, you wanna you wanna help me out, get my first win, hit me up. Yeah, I could use some DMZ people that don't suck and know how to revive me. That'd be helpful too. <laughs> there you go. That, that's that's actually the only reason why we do this podcast. Yeah. To find people to, to play with. It's, it's rec- we're recruiters now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ne- next recording, all three of us will actually be playing DMZ together, and we'll just be talking talking over yeah. it. So you know, I've, I've thought about these things, but yeah. I am first of all such a tryhard. That's like, I don't care about podcast. I don't care about content, man. I just want to win. And then next is also my, my brain. Like I call multitask, like ask my wife, she asks me questions. I'm playing a game. I like answer. And then like two seconds, like 10 seconds days or later, I don't even know what she asked or what I answered. Um, <laughs> Which is yeah. funny because I'm the opposite. I'm not a tryhard at all. And I'm multitasking while playing most of the time. <laughs> so oh, we'll be great the, teammates. <laughs> I'm definitely in the tryhard category with Nico. Good, Always. Sweet. You guys can carry me. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. All right, dudes, thanks for this. Um, next week, when we record, we'll be uh, sharing our, our predictions, our spicy takes for 2023. Um, and yeah, with that, thank you for joining. Devin, Phil, listener, thank you for listening. Um, and uh, yeah, speak to you next week. Ciao.